our theme on these Wednesday nights for some time is going to be uh, uh, spiritual footprints to follow. That's a great theme. In other words, we're looking in the Bible and we're seeing people that have spiritual footprints that we would do well to follow. Now, we don't have to just look in the Bible. You can look in life. For example, this, this Saturday, now some of you old timers, you will remember, uh, never have there been more faithful people when they were able to come than T.L. and Yvonne Adams. Many of you remember, Yvonne's been with the Lord for a while. Well, T.L., his service is Saturday. And I mention that to say, um, I've, he's been a blessing to me in so many different ways uh, through all these years. And uh, just, just lived a, an exemplary Christian life. And like he would be one of many people that have been faithful members of this church that have now gone to be with the Lord that have left behind some wonderful spiritual footprints to follow. Now tonight, it's a little different. Tonight, I'm talking about the footprints of Esau and Jacob. And I think they're going to put that up on the screen. There it comes. Now, if you look at that, there's a word missing. I'm going to give a test and see if you're with me on this thing. What's missing in that little, that little title? Oh, thank you for just being so engrossed in this whole thing. Well, the word spiritual is missing. I've been talking about the spiritual footprints like of Noah, the spiritual footprints of Abraham last week, the spiritual footprints of, of Isaac. But tonight, we're going to have to X off the word spiritual on what we're going to look. We're going to see the footprints, not the spiritual footprints. <laughs> we're going to see the footprints that Esau and Jacob have left behind really not to follow. So it's a little different. Now, if you'll open your Bible to the book of Genesis in chapter number 25, Genesis chapter 25, I want us to begin by letting me just read a very few verses that will help us have a little background uh, as we launch into what we're going to look tonight. Genesis chapter 25, and look with me beginning with verse number 19. The Bible says this is a genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. And then it says Abraham begot Isaac. Now, I know you don't have a worship sheet with you, but maybe you have something. If, if you go back in Genesis chapter 22, you read about uh, Abraham and his wife Sarah. And, of course, they couldn't have children. And they prayed, and the angel came, and they did have a child. And that child's name was Isaac. And you read that back in Genesis chapter 22. And you remember Genesis chapter 20, and you read that in Genesis chapter 21. In Genesis chapter 22, we read about Abraham offering his son Isaac on the altar. And we dealt with all that last week. So here's the deal. We have what we have here. He's, 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 we have Isaac on the scene. Verse 20 says, Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as wife. And, you know, you look at that, and I just say this. He was kind of a little late, late in marrying in fact, back in Bible days, uh, men and women were married much before this. So he's 40 years old before he ever had a wife. Now, in verse 21, we run into a little problem there. It says, now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But 
Now, there's this conjunction. When it comes, you know something. Now, we just had something good to tell us. Now, we're going to have something not good. It says, but the children struggled together with her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Now, it's very interesting. God has laid out his plan right here. And, and uh, of course, Jacob's going to wind up with his plan, but Jacob did it kind of his way. It was really the wrong deal because God had already laid out the plan. You see, God's sovereignty is not dependent on the customs of the day. The customs of the day would be that the, the younger would serve the older, that the older would be the one in charge of the family. And God says, no, it's going to be different. Well, look in verse 24. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. If you're a note taker, this is the first mention of twins in the Bible. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. And they called his name Esau. And the word Esau means hairy. That's how he was when he was born. And then afterward, his brother came out. His hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. And Jacob literally means a supplanter or deceiver <laughs> or conniver or whatever. I mean, it's not, it's not a very, the, the meaning here is not, not good at all. But we'll, we go on and we read. Uh, now, it says here, Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So they were together as husband and wife 20 years before they had the child. Now, that's kind of the background of where we are. Now, let's look. I want us to do it this way or not. I want us to think of it this way. First of all, the, the, the birthright experience is two big things that happen in this little portion of Scripture we're going to look tonight. We're going to have the, the birthright situation, and then we're going to have the, the blessing situation. So let's look at the birthright experience. Now, look with me in verse 27. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in his tents. And so very simply, uh, Esau, we would say it this way, he was an outdoorsman. He was a, a nature kind of guy. He was out in the fields, that kind of a hunter. You know, that, that's the picture. And then you, you get this picture of Jacob. Uh, he was kind of a homebody. You know, he, he and of course, we know how this story develops, uh, uh, Esau's going to become kind of the favorite of the father, and, and then uh, Jacob's going to become favorite of the mother. In fact, we, we pick that up in verse 28. It's really a sad verse to me. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, you know, I want to pause there a moment and say, <clears throat> that, that's not a good commentary on parents. Like, <clears throat> parents should love their children all the same. If you agree with that, say amen. But now I'll say this. Some, some people, well, in this case, some children may be easier to love. It's just like people. We all should love people. 
But some people are easier to love than other people. Some people won't let you love them. But, but on, on the parent end of this thing, you know, what, what, uh, what we read here about uh, in this verse about Isaac loving Esau because he was a, kind of an outdoorsman and Rebecca, she loved Jacob because he was a homebody. You know, I was thinking about that, that verse today and I began thinking back a long time ago and I remember when Joel was born. Uh, John was about two and a half years of age, and um, Joel had not yet been born, but he would be born soon. And of course, back in those days, you know, we didn't know you were going. We didn't know if you were going to be a boy or a girl. We didn't know that. People, you know, today they 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 know in advance most of the time. But back then, you just you know you it was kind of you wait to see type thing. But I remember this about. And I never shared this with Dottie until after the event, okay. But inside of me, like John was two and a half years old. Now, he was the only child we had. And I thought, we're going to have another child. I don't know if it's going to be a boy, it's going to be a girl, I don't know what, but we're going to have another child. And I began to even, I asked my own self, I thought, now, you know, am I going to love child two as much as I love child one? Seems like kind of a crazy question, but it, it was a very, it was a concerning thing to me. I thought, you know, I, I mean, I know we'll love him, and I know we'll be glad he's, you know, in the family and all, but I, of course, I'm talking about somebody that doesn't exist at the moment, but I was kind of concerned about me. Have any of you ever remembered anything like that, or you just, well, you don't think on the deeper things like I do, but it, okay, well, well, here's the bottom line of that. I mean, that was a, I, I was burdened almost about that. I thought, I'm going to, I've just got to make myself love a boy too or a girl too, whatever. Well, here's the deal. When Joel was born, I discovered something. Inside of me, there was the same, there was a capacity to love number two just as much as number one. Now, how many of you can relate to that? Raise your hand. Yeah, and I, I would think had we had three children or four or five or six, ooh, pray not, but anyway... <laughs> Uh, I think inside of us, there's the capacity. Really, I do. And, you, and those of you who have children, you know exactly. Well, it'll be like the same thing with grandchildren. Are we going to love Joel Jr. as much as Charlie Joe? Well, I never did really worry about that because I'd settled that back on. I thought inside of me, there's the capacity to just, we, we all have this, a God-given capacity. Now, there may be a child that's easier to love than another child. And I know many parents like that. It's amazing. In fact, we're about to look at a family here. It's, it's amazing. We've got these, these brothers, <laughs> same parents, same home, and they're as different as day and night. Can any of you relate to that? You know, it's just the most amazing thing in the world. You, you have a family, and they'll just... One child's one way, and another child's another way, and and uh, you know you sometimes you say, well, what, 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 what did we do wrong? Uh, well, the answer is you didn't whip them enough. That's kind of what you did wrong. But uh, you know, there's a point where they, you know, we people are responsible for what they do. But I do this is a this is a great verse right here. And if you if I were if I were preaching a message on parenting, I would probably camp out on that verse and say, you know, we ought never have favorites among children. And 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 I know you would agree with that. 
even though maybe some are more difficult. Now, so my family won't go home that I would. Both of ours are just equally perfect. They're just easy to love. There never have been a problem growing up or anything like that at all. By the way, I was listening to that sermon that John had last Sunday morning about the rules we had about going to church. Let me just say this. Those were the rules, but he did stretch it a little bit. Do you, you understand? I mean, I mean he, he kind of made me the villain in that thing. And, uh, but, but actually, uh, I, he was probably more right. You know, that's how I was raised. You know, my, 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 that, he was saying what I said, and I was sitting there thinking, that's exactly what my dad said. Well, I'll say this. Every child would be blessed if their mom and dad said, on church, we go, on Sunday, we go to church. Now, but see, what we're doing now, we're letting the kids call the shots. That's, that's one of the real problems we have. The kids are running the homes. Well, God gave kids parents. And had God wanted trees to raise the kids, he'd let trees had kids. And parents just need to be parents, but I'm preaching to the wrong group. And, uh, but it, 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 it's in me, and I just started letting it come out. Now, let's move on here. I want you to see something that's really good. Because here's what happens. Esau, Esau, I listed this. He did what he was. Now, think with me a moment. Because I'll be back to this. That's basically what we always do. We do what we are. Just like the Bible, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, but, but by and large, whatever you do in life, you do that because that's who you are. And, and that's what we're about to run into. And <laughs> he did what he was, and the result was catastrophic. And we're going to look at it. I'm going to call it this birthright experience. Now, um, let, let's just pick up right here in verse 29. It says, now Jacob cooked a stew. And Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that, some of that red stew, for I'm weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. And the word Edom literally means red, R-E-D. It's not because he came out hairy. And like you, you read about Edomites in the Bible, in the Holy Land, when we go down to the Dead Sea and beyond, like at Masada, you see these big mountains, no trees. I mean, you've been out in the desert, and all of a sudden you look over and and like here's these huge mountains. That hotel we're standing there, beautiful. You look, they're red sandstone rocks. Is what they are. They're huge. That's that's the area where the Edomites live. So this kind of became, this became his, this became his nickname. And Jacob said to him, "Sell me your birthright as this day." And he said, "Look, I'm about to die. What is?" What's my birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me and as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to him. So Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank and rose and he went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. That word despised means he placed little value in it. Now the big deal on the birthright was this. And it's, it's, it's in Scripture. It's, it's very, very clear. The older, the older son would get double portion. 
And that's, if you want to read that in the Bible, it's in Deuteronomy chapter 21 in verse 17. The birthright had two perks, we'll call it. The oldest got double of the inheritance. And not only that, the other part of that perk, the oldest would be the family, we'll call it this way, he'd be the family chief and priest. The family chief and priest. And that's in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 22. So here, here's what he's done. In fact, I, in my Bible, I, if you do this or not, but I like to write little headings of portions of Scripture to help me remember it. I call this the great red stew swindle. Y'all like that? That'd be a good sermon type. Well, that's what you have in verses 29 through 34. You just have the great red stew swindle. Now, if you're where you can put something in your Bible, I want you to turn over in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12, there's a verse that helps us better understand Esau that I think will be helpful as we journey along here. In Hebrews chapter 12, by the way, Hebrews chapter 12 is a great, great ver- chapter. But look with me in verse 16. It says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Now, this word profane does not mean that Esau went around using profanity. It, it means that he lived for worldly things. He, he just lived for worldly things. He lived for the here and now. And by and large, uh, you know, great numbers of people, even Christians, I fear. It can be any of us. If we're not careful. We, we live for the here and now. And, and this is the whole problem. We, we live for worldly things. We enjoy the things of the world. But, boy, if we're not careful, you know, we want to own this, we want to own this, and we want to own this. You know, you, you can finally get to a point where what you think you own owns you. You know, do you own what you own, or does what you own own you? Well, this is the shape, this is the shape uh, Esau got in. He lived for the here and now. And his birthright, he, he lost it. He lost a double portion, and he lost being head of the family. And then it became Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob instead of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Now, let's, let's look at, think about old Jacob here just a moment. His stories, his footprints are not good prints either. Uh, as I read that story, I would hope his brother would have just given him the stew. I mean, like, if, if, if one of our sons saw the other, came in hungry, and they had food, I'd hope they wouldn't charge him for the food. It just seems like one brother would say, hey, you look hungry, you look tired. Uh, But what he did, he took advantage of his brother. And it's a very, very sad thing. And and Esau despised his birthright. He placed no value on on what should have been, and he missed the blessing. See, that's what happens when we don't value the spiritual things in life. We miss the blessing. And uh, so that moves us on to the blessing experience. I want you to turn with me now over in chapter 27. And time won't let us, but it's a very interesting chapter. You can read the whole chapter later. But these first 40 verses in chapter 27 tell us about the blessing experience. Now, let's just look in the first few verses. In Genesis chapter 27, it says, Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim. Now, for your information... At this point, right here, he's 137 years old. 
and he thinks he's going to die. It says his eyes were dim. He could not see that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. And he answered him, here I am. He said, behold, now I am old. And I do not know the day of my death. He's thinking, I'm, I'm getting close. Well, now, what he didn't know was he was going to live 43 more years. He was going to live to be 180, but he didn't know that. He thinks he's going to die. And what he wants to do, he wants to give uh, Esau the blessing. He's the older child. He said, now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, go out in the field and hunt game for me. And make me some food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, listen to this. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, and said, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau. Your brother said, Bring me game and make me food that I like, that I may eat it, and then I'm going to bless you. In the, in the presence of the Lord before my death. And of course, uh, you, you know that I'm not, time won't let me read all this story I wish I'd read. <laughs> now, we're not talking about Rebecca tonight, but boy, she, she did what no parent should do. But th- nonetheless, she talked Jacob, and of course you can say, well, you know, Jacob just did what his mother said. Well, yeah, he was grown and he knew better than that. Uh, he, he was far beyond having to do something that wouldn't be right. And, and then, of course, when he came in, he, you know, his dad said, you know, uh, your voice sounds, your voice, are you Esau? And he said, yes, I am. But he lied. And then, little, he, of course, he wanted to feel it. And his mother said, you put on these hairy garments, he'll think, he's blind. He can't see. He'll think you're, he'll think you're Esau. And, and it's just such an interesting story. Well, then he said, you know, your voice, you have the voice of Jacob, but you feel like, you know, you say, well, he lied twice. Have you ever noticed how a lie just kind of leads to another lie? You know, if people just tell the truth, they'd never have to remember what they said. It's just better to tell the truth. Could I have an amen to that? And, and boy, I mean, here's Jacob just telling one thing after another. Uh, it, it, it's not right. And of course, he winds up he winds up getting uh, the blessing. And, and, but now here's the deal, and this is important. Sin always has consequences. Now, I know we know that, but it needs to be said loud and clear. And I think about in Jacob's case, I jotted down some of the consequences of his sin. Number one, he never again saw his mother after this. That's the last record we have of him ever seeing his mother. Uh, Esau, his brother, wanted him dead. That's not good. Laban, his uncle, deceived him. That wasn't good. His family life was full of conflict. He was exiled for years for, from his family. And, and then the kicker of it all, <laughs> he, would have been given, he would have been given the blessing had he not done all this. If you go back in chapter number 25 and look down in verse 23, God's sovereign purpose was Jacob was always going to, it was God's plan, even in this case, that the younger would be given the blessing, not the older. And I look at that, and I think about that, and I think about, well, you know, now, one encouraging thing, let me just say this. I mean, so we say, well, Jacob messed up. Well, he did, but God, God used him. He, he became the father of the 12 sons that became the foundation 
of the Hebrew nation. Now, that would be another good sermon for another time. Even, even when we mess up, if we will ask God's forgiveness, then God will still use us. And aren't you thankful for that? Because not any of us live and don't mess up. But if we mess up and listen to the devil, and the devil says, okay, you did this, and you did, okay. Well, God, you can put those things on the blood if you repent. And God, God still uses imperfect people because all people are imperfect. So, you know, he, he had these two natures. And I, I really think there's two or three things here, life application, that would be uh, helpful for us. As I, as I look at all this, I, I think to myself, the flesh and the spirit battle is daily. Could I have an amen to that? It really is. It's an every, in fact, it may be hourly, but this battle that we have between the flesh and the spirit, and, and, and you know the classic passage of that, and I want you to turn to it, is over in Galatians. If you just turn over in your Bible to Galatians chapter 5, and you might just want to mark this, there are several passages to be good. But I think this is the classic passage in the New Testament on the battle between the flesh and the spirit. See, you, you, your flesh, that is your human, we all are, but we have the Spirit of God living in us. You say, well, good. When you get the Spirit of God living in you, you won't, you won't make bad decisions anymore. Well, that, I wish that were true, but see, as long as we live in the flesh, flesh and spirit are going to battle. This is what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 7 when Paul said, what I want to do is what I don't do. And what I don't want to do, that's what I do. do any of you relate to that? You know, what I, you know, what I will to do, I don't do that. And what I don't want to do, that's kind of what I do. Well, in Galatians chapter 5, quickly in verse 16, the Bible says, walk in the Spirit. The word walk means that's just a daily life. You live in the Spirit, and you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now look in verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now, you know, this battle, this daily battle between flesh and spirit is, is, a, is a real deal. And like, I'll just use a, you know, a, an illustration that is not serious. I'll, in my own life where flesh and spirit have a war. And I, but one of the good things about this pandemic is Dottie and I have not eaten in a restaurant. Well, we've not eaten in a restaurant in, to my knowledge, two years. Okay, the pandemic being one year. Okay. And then while you were getting your uh, immune back, that was another year. So, so but now there's a, there's a good thing about that. There's a good thing about that. Like, and I can't wait to get back into a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> and when they bring the chips out, and the corn tortillas, and I'll, and I'll think, now, am I going to drink a cola or not? Because Charlie Joe's told me I shouldn't drink those. And that's going through my mind. My granddaughter said, you ought not to do that. And here the, inside of me, there's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. You say, how do you handle that? Not real good. <laughs> 
Well, I might do it this way. I might say, I said I'm going to do it. I'm going to get five of these chips. Well, I'll just leave it there. Now, let me say this. I wish that that were the only battle I have between the flesh and the spirit. All of us, every day, we deal with this. It can be in relationships, when sometimes, oh, flesh, we want to respond back in a way we ought not to respond. In words, in thoughts, I mean, there's this, the, the battle's in the mind. Could I have an amen to that? And I just want you to understand this, and we see it in this story. The, the battle between the flesh and the spirit is a daily battle. So, what do we need? We should be prepared <laughs> for the battle before we ever start very far into the day. That's why we need to read our Bible and pray in the morning. We need to we need to get prepared for what may or may not come. Some days, maybe there's not much battle out there. Other days, it can be a lot of battle out there. Okay, that's one good life application that I see in this story. And then the second is this. Generally, we do what we are. And I said that when I started tonight, and I'm landing back on it. And that's, a, that's really a good thought if you'll take it home with you tonight and ponder it. If you just think about what you do, in life, how you respond, how you do this, how you do that, what your discipline is in this area, what your in that area—that's just who you are, you know. And it's in every realm of life. And if we're not careful, the same thing can happen to us that happened that happened to Jacob. And so I thought this would be a good Wednesday night to look at some footprints. We would do well not to follow.